In the very early hours of April the 2nd, 1978, a man walks home for the last time in the rural village of Brasna in northeast Kerry. So we're just standing um, here in the spot where Khan was found early that Sunday morning. But he just lived about a kilometre, about a half a mile back the road. And so he would have walked to the village every day, I presume. He would have, yeah. Yeah, and uh, in the evenings as well, he'd have walked this. This would have been his route this, back home. This, this would be his route, uh, a kilometre, a flat. It's a very flat um, part of the road because the river Claydick is... Was, is running uh, parallel to the road, so it is just fairly level. There's a small gradient, all right, but it is, it, is, it is very level. I remember as a child coming to Brasna and my grandfather telling me the story about Con Carey and the Twelve Apostles. It's just 35 years ago now. You know, to me, you know, he looked um, about five, six or five, seven, probably, thin build, and um, wearing a cap, of course, and an overcoat. And... Uh, the Wellitons, of course, was a big feature of Con. Wherever Con went, the Wellitons were with him. The Wellingtons. And, of course, his, his implement uh, for the bargain, he, he took great pride in his pike. Yeah. And um, that, was, that, was his, that was his tools for the deer. Con Carey's story centres around a respect for the dead, something that's as fundamental to life as it is to death. And a community who would do what it takes to honour their friend. His speciality was the bog. Everybody went to comfort the bog because he was a great man to get up in the morning. He'd, you'd see him in the morning waiting for the, the people that employed him for the bog. He'd be picked up here at the cross and taken off for the day and did his day's work and came back then and fed by the householder where they were cutting the tough. November 2013, 35 years after Con Carey's death, I'm piecing together a story that lingers in the memory of this village. Some songs have been written, even a local GAA cup named in his honour. All have been lost to time. The newspaper articles of 1978 give some sense of how the story made headlines. Tuesday, April the 11th, 1978. The Cork Examiner. A case stranger than fiction at Brosna. The Irish Press... Body dug up for a change of clothes. The Daily Mirror. Twelve apostles give old Con a real send-off. The Sunday Independent. Exhumed body case with DPP. Con Carey was a 69-year-old bachelor who lived alone. He worked by day and went to his local pubs here in Brasna for the company of friends and a pint by night. Brasna Village has about 350 people living in it today. Walking through it with local postman John Cronin... Everything has changed and nothing has changed since Khan walked this route back in the late 1970s. Well, we've gone straight through the village now. Very dark November evening, very cold. Very little in the streets, as you can see. But uh, I remember the time when every house had a little business. I think there was four or five butcher shops here in the, in the 70s. There was two drapery shops, a number of uh, shoemakers... Of course, there were a lot of shops that provided uh, provisions for the farmers and we had our local creamery as well. So there was a lot, lot going on in the, the 70s in, in, in Brosna. Yeah, this is the route now that Con would have walked and he wouldn't be getting thirsty because he'd be able to see the bars from here now. This was the route that he took most nights. And this is the route he took home. Now, if we look across the road, this is the only farmhouse, the only farm in, in, inside in the village. Reading back through some of the articles of that time, I get a sense of how this story touched the village community. 
Brosna people, some proud and some embarrassed, only speak in whispers about the affair, which has shocked the bleak Highland countryside, where the counties of Kerry, Cork and Limerick meet. In the village's 11 pubs, discretion dominates all conversation, and the issue is not discussed with outsiders. The men who performed the act have guaranteed themselves everlasting places in local folklore and have come to be known as the Twelve Apostles. Neither will they talk, especially to the press. Kerry is remembered as a popular figure and a good singer. He was at one time elected Lord Mayor of Brosna at a carnival. Today, those articles are a distant memory in the life of the village. But that's not to say that Khan and his story have been forgotten. You, we wouldn't have had, it wouldn't have been brought up maybe. They'd be honest told in bars and things like that when lads would be getting a few points in and they'd be having the crack and they might say, do you remember Khan? And do you know what I like? Yeah. He looked upon himself as, we'd say, as somebody that wasn't terribly important um, or significant, but he was. Just a half a mile up the road from where Con died, I visit the place where Con lived most of his life. Bobby! Hi, Bobby! <laughs> Bobby Woods lived next door to Con and is now the current owner of the field. It is, this is his field. This is his field? Yes. Yeah. But he likes a bit of a field, and he down to the river, like, from the tree, the big tree now, lying down. Carey's Acre, he was called it. It's only a quarter of an acre, there's <laughs> But it was Carey's Acre. But his old house here was supposed to be here. I knew Con was in the caravan here before he died. That's 15 years ago, is it? He's dead 35 years. What? 35 oh, years. Oh, Jesus. Here's Frank. Okay, 35, 50 years. 35. Oh, he's a course, yeah. And it's a, it's a beautiful site, right beside the river yeah, and everything. Yeah, probably it was, yeah. But he had a cabin, the cabin was lovely and cosy because he was a, uh, you know, the old stove at that time. And that's a long time ago in the stove. And the cabin would be very hot. So I was going to more, we'd read inside the house and it was like the cowboy books. Louis L. Amour, was that? There was a writer like that. Something like that, he was me. We would swap books and, yeah, cowboys. <laughs> There's a great old cat. He was telling me the story of the old house's bed. His mother was actually was alive here and he was a pig and all that time. But in the last years before the house was got so bad, he'd be inside in bed, he said, and he'd wake up in the morning, there'd be snow on the bed beside him because the roof was gone, like him, you know. He didn't, he got a caravan, he often taught me that. But that's fairly hard at the time. Yeah. So he got the caravan in from the council. That's... God, it must oh. have been rough, all right. It was. It was. And he just said all innings. He had, it was a pity, he, uh, yeah. 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 He had. There was a bit of controversy over those. He was actually buried twice. <laughs> He'd left it at <laughs> The only man that had to bury twice, yeah. So what happened to Con Carey? And who are the Twelve Apostles? Con Carey was born on November the 20th, 1909. One of six siblings... He would be the only one to stay at home. All his life he lived with and cared for his mother. The story goes that on April the 1st, 1978, a neighbour of Khan's was being buried in Brasna. Khan was asked to help dig the grave. That night he drank a few whiskies in the bar. He had something to do with that funeral that day in, in, in Brasna because he was given whiskey and uh, the, man, they used, he, the man used to drink whiskey at all. 
but he mixed his drinks that day with pints of Guinness. And of course, when you when you drink whiskey, then you come out in the open, then you you just fall asunder. Then, till just do till just not go down like, you know. But you say he mixed he mixed the drinks, which made him made him worse. Sick. At 11 p.m., Con made the short walk home from the pub, down the hill in Brasna turned left at the crossroads to walk another half mile home into the warmth of his caravan. On this particular night, it was raining heavy, very heavy. It seems Khan became slightly disorientated at the crossroads, where a terrace of new houses was being built. Well, he died, he died. Below in front of the new, they were building the new houses at him. And there was a heap of sand there. And then he fell across that going home and uh, got smothered. That's what happened. And he never took off the Wellingtons, of course. He always had the Wellingtons on, though he never wore anything else but Wellingtons. And they said his Wellingtons and everything were full of water, like, and, you know. So it was, it was, it was a bad passing. It was badly, you know. It was pitch dark, with heavy rain falling and unnaturally cold for the month of April. Some faint noises were later reported being heard in the early hours of the morning but nothing that could be recognised as a man struggling for his life. Sometime in the early hours of that Sunday morning, Con Carey passed away on the side of the road. It continued to rain heavy on Con throughout the night, and it wasn't until after daylight on the morning of April the 2nd that Con was found. November 2013. I'm searching for a grave, Con Carey's grave. It was always Con's wish to be buried with his mother in Mount Collins, the neighbouring parish to Brosna. And he was. Larry Begley and Patrick Nocton, two local historians, guide me around the graveyard. Larry was at Con's funeral all those years ago. We have been told that a simple small iron cross with no name is all that marks the grave. Can't carry us better than the right as you come up from the graveyard, I can say the world, but yeah. we've forgotten which which exactly is his grave. <laughs> really? <laughs> but he's buried yeah, here, right? Yeah, yeah. It was just inside, just more or less inside the inside. On the right, quite right, right up to the church. On the right. Have you so we know what was. We were at just few another bit. We yeah. were forgotten. Yeah, yeah. I imagine it was over here. To see a pastry, down it? Waiting to see us in places that it that will not happen. Well, obviously somebody has somebody knows who is buried here because there's um, know, yeah. there, there's, a, there's a little um, light there. Yeah, must be different. You think it's in here? Probably. Oh my gosh! That evening, after finding Khan's grave, I'm at his local pub, Kate Paths in Brosna. We've organised a night in his honour for people to come and share their memories of Khan, sing a song or two, and piece together what happened to him after his death. One of the first people I meet is Maura Sheehan, the woman who ran Kate Pats's bar in Khan's time. And Khan, like, he was well popular, I believe. People looked for him to work all the time. Yes, he was a willing worker, all right, yes. And he was strong too, you know. Of course, he loved to boast about what he was doing then when he came into the bar at night. You know, that was part of it, I'd say. And tell me, he was a right character, I believe. He was. He had great wits. He had an answer for everything. And, you know, it, it, 
the, the, the language just flowed to him. You know, he, he always had a, a quick answer. He was great. He'd be singing or anything. He wanted everybody to listen to him, you know. If they weren't, he, he kind of <laughs> used a few expletives <laughs> to get them to get their attention, you know. I remember himself and Dean Brown used to be in here as well. And, oh, my God, it used to be a circus, you know. They'd be vying, you know, one would finish the song and the other one would start. And they couldn't wait to get started. It used to be a bit of fun, anyhow. And where were you the day that you heard, like, when the news came through? Can you remember where you were? I think it was on a Sunday morning, wasn't it? I presume I was here, anyhow, you know. Sure, we were all shocked, of course, you know. We all felt sorry for the poor man, you know, like, that he had no one. He had this caravan and he wasn't interfering, you know. He didn't do any harm to anybody either, you know. Two of the people central to Khan's story have come tonight. We head down into the cellar of Kate Patz's bar to get away from the crowds. Timmy O'Sullivan, Hancross. John Murphy, Brushna Village. I only became aware, I, I actually knew I had he died in the morning going home and he was found in the morning. And uh, I, as I said, look, Con was dead, so that was grand. And as the day wore on, then it was Con's funeral we would, we'd be talking about. And I didn't become aware of him anymore until Timmy met me on uh, the, what night was it, Tim? It was on the Sunday night. On the Sunday night, yeah. So Tim can take it up before that now. This particular Sunday morning, anyway, I was, happened to be early for Mass, which was a little bit unusual for me. But when we came to the square, I said to my wife, Sheila, I said, uh, then I said, we'll run down to Dinshane's for the papers. And went down anyway and went in and first salute I got inside was Josie said to me your friend passed away last night who was that I said Carey she said can't Carey not to hope I said I didn't dare drink with him last night but I got she said you won't be having a drink with him tonight he's below in the hall laid out below in the hall got my papers anyway and went down to the hall and sure enough there was a, a few inside, not many, you know, maybe three or four. And on my way in, the first thing I saw was Con's cap on the ground and kind of half covered in yellow mud. And it had the oddly appearance of people walking on it, passing around. And uh, I picked it up anyway and I put it up in the coffin whatever you would call it. It wasn't what I would have considered a proper coffin at all. But uh, anyway, um, it was unlined. It was wood, timber, whatever you like to call it. But it was unlined. It didn't look like the place to put a friend, a human being, into. Um, Normally you would see some white linen the sides and all around the coffin and so on. There was none of that there. There was a plastic bag around his Wellingtons and it was practically full of mud. You know, there was mud all over him and uh, it upset me to see his cap on the ground and people having walked down it. What exactly happened on the morning of Khan's death? and why he ended up in the local community hall is still not clear. It seems a plastic bag was placed underneath Khan's corpse where he was found at the side of the road. He was then placed directly into a wooden box 
with his overalls still on, mud on his face and body, his wellingtons full of water. His body lay in that wooden box, not even brought inside the community hall itself, but placed in the entrance lobby. Khan was pronounced dead, over the phone, by a doctor who never attended the scene. It was clear to all, both to the authorities and to Khan's friends, that it was simply a tragic accident. As to why Khan's body was never taken to Tralee Hospital and never underwent an autopsy, we just don't know. The only clues we get are from some newspaper articles published a week or so after Khan's death. The bizarre saga started on Sunday morning when Carey's body was found in a Brosna building site. Gardi, a priest, a doctor and an ambulance were called. Yesterday, a senior management spokesman at St Catherine's Hospital explained the Southern Health Board's role in the affair. He said that an ambulance set off for Brosna when called by local Gardaí on Sunday. However, while the vehicle was on its way, another message was received, saying that the ambulance was not needed. The ambulance, which was then within half a mile of the village, was called back to Tralee on a radio telephone. The official stated that it was not normal policy to encourage the bringing of dead bodies to hospital mortuaries. But in cases of stress and hardship, or when persons lived alone or other circumstances that warranted it, bodies were taken to mortuaries. This was an obvious case, and the intention was to bring back the body he emphasised. At that time in rural Ireland, it was usual for a body to be waked in the home. It was also usual for a sudden death to be investigated through autopsy. Khan neither received a wake nor an autopsy. A local woman, Anne Corridan, had offered to wake Khan in her own home, but she was refused. In the Ireland of today, deaths should be registered as soon as possible and no later than three months from the date of the death. In Khan's case, for whatever reason, his death wasn't registered until November the 27th, 1987, nine and a half years after his death. The cause of death, myocardial infarction and hypertension. That's heart attack to you and I. Everybody was talking about, yeah. the, as Matt Dorn may got a message and used to say, about the happenings. To, to the surprise of him, he was, he was vibrant and he was working and he was all the time going and Con was taken up, then Timmy would go when he was taken up maybe to the church was it at the yeah. time. In the evening. At 5 pm, Con's coffin was closed in the entrance lobby of the community hall. He was removed to the church just 500 yards away at the top of the village. Prayers were said and the church locked up for the night. It was the talk of the 11 pubs of Brosna. But inside it, uh, yeah, Joe yeah. Browns then. Everybody was talking about it and uh, John and myself got together. It came to my attention then inside, like, was this a fact, what happened? Mm-hmm. And you know, the way the talk goes on, and gee, it was, it was grand, and we had a few drinks away, and we didn't take much notice. You know, you would often say, well, look, man is dead and he's gone to the church and fine, but, you know, it went down a bit, so we decided anyway, look, we, we got with the, with the tools to look into it further. It, it shouldn't have happened the way it did happen. Yeah, and know. then we said we'd look into it further. So our first port of call was the, was the, the presbytery. And we looked for permission to open the coffin at, at the presbytery. Well, to bring him out first, yeah, well, and open the coffin, to, yeah. To, to, as far as we were concerned, that, that stage was open the coffin, and we didn't get permission there. 
Timmy and John then headed to the local Garda barracks, as was instructed by the parish priest. They sought permission to open Con's coffin, wash and dress him appropriately, but they were again refused. From where I was, remember, when we arrived into the bar, there was a huge crowd looking at the two of us, if you remember. Uh, hush. And uh, we, we had nothing to say. <laughs> yeah. And we could hear then, like, this thing was ranked, it was moving up and up and up. And, of course, as far as we were concerned before we left, this was go- whatever happened, this was going to be done anyway. That, that was kind of the feeling. Like, why should he be wrong? And why should he be different to anybody else? The following day, Monday, April the 3rd, 1978, Con was buried alongside his mother in Moncollin Cemetery. Timmy and John were under the notice of Garthi after making their request. That evening, a group of 12 people... 11 men and one woman, who would later become known as the Twelve Apostles, hatched a plan. They arranged a secret pact. The following morning, Tuesday, April the 4th, two of the twelve travelled to a local town, bought the traditional burial habit of that time and got it blessed. Then all twelve met back in Brosna at about 3.30pm to make the three-mile journey over to Khan's grave in Moncollins. Today, after 36 years, I'm making that same journey with one of the 12 apostles, PJ Downey. This is the first time that any of the apostles have ever spoken publicly about what they did for Khan and why. We're still in Carino and we're going over, we're going over the bridge now to Moncollins. This is the village of Mount Collins now here. That's the church now here. It's right here. Ah, there's wonderful people here. Great Limerick supporters too. Oh, jeez, what a step. But uh, it was an awful case. I'll tell you, no, the longest day I'll ever live, I, 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 I can't ever remember a case like that. You know, it was a sad case, like... You know, the crater. Now, he didn't deserve that now. That's it over here. We can go through here now. And if we met him, Lord mercy, if we ever met him, we'd enjoy him because he was a great old character, the crater. He was one of the best. And a great hearted crater. You know, he'd see kids there now. And if he'd only a couple, couple of bob in his pocket, wouldn't he give it to He was that type of man. Decent, decent, honest, respectable man. That's what he was. Nice fella. He wasn't one bit afraid of a day's work anyhow. He was a great worker. He was afraid of nothing. I never see a case like it, as long as I live. I never seen a human being going down in the state, he went down. You wouldn't do it to Doug now, in all honesty. You wouldn't do it to Terry. Norma Gleeson was a young teacher whose parents owned the drapery shop directly across from Mount Collins graveyard. That afternoon, Norma was at home. It's only when a man and woman came into her father's shop that she became aware of what was about to happen. They were above, near the church door, and they were waiting. And uh, the woman said, can we get some hot water and a basin? And I know my father looked funny at her because I'd come from the kitchen and he was behind the counter in the shop. And uh, he said, hot water and a basin? What are you doing? And she said, oh, we badly need it. Um, Poor Con was buried. And we don't think he got the proper send-off 
and we think we need to wash him up and dress him up in good clothes. So my father said, but Khan is buried. Ah, yes, she said, but we are going to undo that now and we're going to wash him, dress him up and put him back again as he was. And uh, I know he drew a long breath and I was at the door wondering, what's going on? And he said, right, sure, of course. And you'll need soap. Oh, yes, she said, please, if you have, yeah. And a, a towel if you've got it. So he said, right. And he said to me there, then will you get the basin and the, the soap? And I said, right. And mum said, I have the kettle on. It'll be boiled in a few minutes. So the water was got immediately and all the stuff provided. And the, they went up to the church again. Now, we didn't go up. And they had a white sheet. I can always remember because looking from our upstairs window, you could see the white sheet. And they had this white sheet and two of them stood with the sheet, a large, plain top sheet. And it all seemed to happen behind the sheet. But we couldn't see anything, but we knew what was happening. As a matter of fact, we were a sort of, uh, we knew, we, we were afraid the girls had come, like, and they, we were going to tell them, go away, like we were going to do it. But girls in, in Kerry wouldn't stop us. We got it into our head and we were going to do it and that's it. Each of the twelve apostles had their own job. One was on watch at the graveyard gate to prevent anyone from entering. Two more were given the task of hiding the goings-on from the public gaze. Seven men dug down the six feet to retrieve Khan's coffin. That left one man and the only female apostle to attend to Khan's remains. They would remove his wellingtons, undress wash and shave him and fix his hair. He was then redressed in a pair of long johns and clothed in the blessed habit. We had every second turn. We didn't kill ourselves doing it. We took our time. But the mud, was it was easy to dig it up because it was soft after burying him the day before. Do you understand me? So it was no bother bring him up like we had him up in one half an hour. We all took our turn. As simple as that. And... Uh, that's the way it was, and uh, and then it was such a mess thing down top. It, it was all water and all, you know, it was soft, and it was a lot of old water in it, which made it worse if it was dry itself, if the earth was dry itself, but it was all a mess. With the coffin out, yeah, you couldn't believe the state he was in. And his eyes, two big eyes, and the cap turned that way, and, and, and the yellow mud and the water running out of his eyes then, and they're wide open like mine and yours. It was sad, like... And uh, we took him up here then and uh, cleaned him here at the back of the church. At the back of the church. Here, we hadn't cleaned. It was all, we hadn't cleaned him one, one 20 minutes because we wanted to do it fast and uh, put on a proper habit in him and dressed him up properly at the crater. Uh-huh. We weren't the better of it. We weren't really in the better of it. But we'd done everything in here so fast. <laughs> We, you know, we didn't want no one to know that. Now you just do, do the job and put him down properly. Like, i never seen anything like it. They'd be there an hour at least, because they had to dig up the grave, and that took time with shovels, <laughs> no machinery. And when they'd finished, then they all came down together and brought the basin and the soap back. I think the towel got binned all right, but um, they just dropped it in and said thanks, and Dad said, how do you get on? And they said, yeah, fine, everything went grand. We're happy now. After Khan's exhumation and reburial, 
the twelve apostles said prayers around the grave. They then went to a local bar and raised a glass to him. The local sergeant and a guard arrived to the pub to take the names of those involved. The activities at Khan's grave were reported to the barracks as they had been happening. However, it seems that the sergeant lost track of time and only arrived on the scene after Khan was back in his grave for all eternity. The story of Khan's reburial made local and national headlines. But it, it went, went, around, went around like wildfire. It did. It travelled all over Cork, Kerry and Limerick. All like wildfire now. Uh-huh. The Kerry Man, Friday, April 14th, 1978. Corpse case shocks village. The neighbouring villages of Brosna and Mount Collins are shocked at the macabre daylight grave robbing operation which took place in the area last week. It is understood that Mount Collins is angry and wish the exhumation had never happened. A 69-year-old village character from Brosna County Kerry has been buried, exhumed and reinterned in circumstances stranger than fiction at this stage of civilization. The Sunday Independent. The bizarre case of Kerry's 12 apostles who exhumed a body in Mount Collins Cemetery is now with the Director of Public Prosecutions. It is now up to the DPP to decide whether legal action is to be taken against the 11-man, one-woman team. A statement this week from the hitherto silent 12 apostles say that they were following their conscience and determined to correct a gross miscarriage of justice. Both communities were delighted that a wrong had been righted. It seems the DPP thought along the same lines as no criminal charges ever materialised. Over the next three decades, the story would largely slip from people's minds. Khan would occasionally be spoken of, his grave rarely visited, and the unnamed iron cross which marked it would fall into disrepair. I'm back in Kate Patz's, Khan's local bar in Brosna, for the night held in his honour. Tonight would not just result in sharing memories, it would spark a fundraising drive led by Khan's friends, Timmy and John, to finally get a headstone erected on his grave. One of the reasons we're here is that during my research into Khan's story, I found a song written by John B. Keane and published in The Kerry Man, six weeks after Khan's death. However, the song disappeared into the ether for the last 30 or more years. Tonight, we're bringing it back to life with an audience of Khan's friends. I'd like to introduce tonight um, a song that was written by John B. Keane. The song is called The Ballad of Con Carey. And to sing it for us, we are joined by Sean Garvey and Danny O'Mahony. Thanks very much, everyone. Uh, you, you all know Danny already, I think. Uh, I, uh, Sean. And uh, I got the words of this song recently. I'm fascinated by the story myself because I don't know all the details, but uh, I kind of felt I got to know Con by the, by the end of the song. Oh, come all ye loyal heroes bold and listen to my lay. Oh, tis all about Cotton Carey, who was lifted from the clay. The papers all, they had a ball, and the guards made up a case. 
Not since the time of Lazarus did such a thing take place. Billy Keane, son of John B., remembers his father pinning the song. Khan was an occasional caller to John B.'s, who himself had Brosnan connections. I was only young lad at the time, but I remember him writing it, and it took him weeks and ages to write, as he put away more care into his songs and poems and ballads than he did anything else, any of the plays or anything else. His, one of his main reasons for writing it was to kind of expose that this was a nice thing to do, that this was a human and a lovely gesture, and that it was just for the best reasons. And I think parts of it was a kind of a defence of the Brosna people and the Twelve Apostles. And uh, he would have known everything about what went on that night because he had an inside track. I don't know who it was. He knew someone who was right there at the scene. Lips, not ere a word was heard. Ah, but round the grave, his comrades brave were conscious of his plight. And silently they did resolve to set the matter right. Every one of them uh, stopped by each other. There was no leak as to who did it or who done it. There was no Judas in those 12 apostles. They were all loyal and true Brusnamen. And uh, I was just so thrilled when the ballad was rediscovered. It was lost. And it's a kind of a parable, really, for, for modern Ireland and kind of how we look after each other, dead and alive. And the way that uh, the way forward but I remember he was uh, there was some trouble after he wrote the song there was a bit of negative reaction um, I'm not exactly from where or what but my mother vaguely remembers it as well and um, I think he wanted to make his feelings clear that this was no matter to be putting people to court and putting them into difficulties over that this was just a nice thing to do and I think that's the way it finished up in the end Oh this fearless troop of volunteers marched through the churchyard gate with single aim it was their game Con's corpse to decorate to lay him down in habit brown without a scratch or tear and shave his mane and make him clean for his trip to Peter's jail uh, he had a great sense of, uh, of fun too, my dad, and there's some very funny lines in the song. It's not all a kind of a lament for Khan. So he had a bit of fun, and I'd say he wouldn't have had the bit of fun if he didn't think that Khan would have been up for it. Like this poor old devil, you know, he was uh, not an important person in anyone's eyes except the people of Brussels and his own people, but official Ireland might not have regarded him as, as a, a very important person worthy of a great burial. Um, but that right was wronged. So Khan has a better epitaph than any of the so-called better people um, who were buried decent, as they say. When the deed was done and the guards came on They faced our gallant crew Out spoke the chief grave digger Saying, what were we to do? Could we look on and see poor Khan in such a bad repose and sent him straight to heaven's gate dressed up in dirty clothes. Much to our surprise, an old cassette tape was given to us that night 
a recording of Con Carey himself singing in Kate Patz's bar back in 1976. On Friday, June 20th, 2014, more than 36 years after Con's death, a small group of people gather in Collins Church. Since the get-together in Kate Patz's bar in Brosna, friends and family of Con raised funds for a headstone. Local priest, Father William O'Gorman, is celebrating the Mass. Lord, hear us. Father, bring Con, nourished by the sacred food of Christ's body and blood, the banquet of your kingdom, Lord, hear us. Give Con peaceful rest in this grave. Blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, send them this headstone of what it signifies. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we here in Ireland, we have great respect for the, for the dead. Of course, it's a, it's a Christian ideal to, to look after those who went before us. Con is dead, is it 36 years? Yes. Well, he still has an influence on people. Yeah. So physically he has died, but he, he still has contact and uh, he's got people here tonight. So Great. there's life after death. A little over three weeks after Father O'Gorman said Mass for Con, he passed away himself suddenly. It has been a long journey since the actions of the Twelve Apostles took place, eight of whom have now passed on themselves. None ever sought fame or favour for their actions, their names only known to those closest to the story. For Timmy and John, the friends who made the first move to preserve Khan's dignity, they finally brought the story to a close. A headstone now honours the man who lies beneath it. It's very simple. We got, it. We got money from people. We never asked for it. it, was, never it was, asked. No, there was no asking. There was no asking. It was given to me. Really? Yeah. And how do you feel that you have your attack? It has taken accomplished. Yeah, 36 <laughs> years. How do you feel about it? It's good. It's day, you were buried over Mass. He was buried the second day without a Mass, so he got one again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The closure to anyone should have finished. Done, to done. Yeah, that's about it. Well, you played a most amazing I, I, part in it. I forgot turning here yet to ah. down to the wall. Thanks, lads. Bye bye then. Thanks a million. Bye bye. Last month, over a dozen of Khan's extended family living in the UK visited Brosna and Mont Collins. They had emigrated many years before Khan had died, and in a time of slow communication, he was buried before they even knew. What happened was always shrouded in mystery for them. They chose not to be interviewed, as they felt it wasn't their story to tell. The headstone has allowed them visit Con's grave for the first time and pay their respects, finally understanding what the people of Brosna did for him. So here we are, Standing, um, it's just seven o'clock now. All those who are gathered around the the headstone for the blessing are gone. 
And the sun is just starting to dip a little bit now. It's, it's in my eyes. Um, so, but I'm just going to read out Khan's headstone. It says, In loving memory of Cornelius Carey, born 20th November 1909, tragically died 2nd April 1978, erected by family and many friends from Brosna, at peace with his parents. Oh, that's a moon.